like to invite you to a soul level encounter. Music has an incredible ability to proclaim the soul's language beyond what mere words can speak. That's what we seek as we invite our guests to share their song of the soul. You will hear the music that has charted the steps of their spiritual journey, that has provided a touchstone in the soul's dark night and sung the heart's awe and joy when come to the light. Over the next hour, you will be a witness and companion to our guest's spiritual path and sacred testimony. Welcome to Song of the Soul. We've got another wonderful treat for you today for Song of the Soul. I've known Evelyn Perry for about 15 years, and I did approach her years ago about sharing her Song of the Soul. And though she was interested, her plate was overflowing, as it still and always is. With the combination of her music, spoken word, and theater work, she playwrights, directs, and acts, I feel honored that she squeezed out some time to share with us today. Get ready for some beautiful music, stunning creativity, and fertile thoughts as Evelyn Perry joins us from Toronto, Ontario in Canada. Evelyn, I'm absolutely delighted to have you here today for Song of the Soul. Nice to be here. You've been very busy lately. I think your theater portion of your work life has been occupying a lot. Could you explain the broad contours of your work life? Sure. I, I work both in theater and in music. I uh, in music, you know, as a singer-songwriter primarily and mixing spoken word in the mix of the music that I do. And then I also work in theater, which is where my formal training is. And the songwriting is more self-taught and very cultural. I grew up in a household with a lot of music, but also a lot of theater as well. My dad was a folk musician and a theater director. So in many ways, I guess I've followed in his footsteps in certain ways. So I work now in theater. I trained as an actor, but I work less as an actor and more. Well, I perform lots, but I'm often performing my own work as a playwright I also direct and work a lot in new creation, helping as a director, often helping birth new projects from young playwrights primarily. And I work with a company, two other women in Toronto where I live. We're working on our sixth show, full length production right now, and we've worked together for about 10 years. So I feel like my career has had two parallel tracks for a long time, one as a singer-songwriter and one as a theater practitioner. And I've also toured a lot with theater work, but, you know, it's very different stages or kind of contexts that you work in as in theater and in music. And a lot of my theater work has kept me in Toronto, where a lot of my music work takes me out on the road. But uh, about five years ago, I wanted to see if I could bring those two worlds a little closer together and create a piece for myself that would work with all of the kind of performance skills and interests that I have. And that was part of what prompted me to create Spin, which is the piece that I've, has kept me very busy the last three years. It's a musical show. I kind of think of it like a theater concert or a, a theatrical concert. It gets produced mostly in theaters, but it's really a series of songs and poems that are connected 
and there's characters and monologues and it explores the history, sort of feminist history of the bicycle, that particular piece. So we've been trying to connect for a little while and this fall when we were trying to plan our interview, I had a week-long remount of that show in Toronto. We've been on tour with it for about four years and so we brought it back to Toronto. That was one thing that was going on and then I had another production back-to-back with that with my theatre company who are making a new show right now about Gertrude Stein and Alice B. Topas. We just finished a workshop, which is kind of a a work in progress showing for a public audience. We'll have a production of that next year. So you said Spin is a feminist history of the bicycle, did you say? Did That's get... right. Give me a little bit of an idea what that really means. It began, the, the piece explores a lot about the connection between the bike and the 19th century women's emancipation movement. My interest in the bike began in a very personal kind of way because I loved to ride my bike. And I'd heard somebody say that there was a connection between the bike and the early feminist movement. And I thought, really, that's interesting. I should research about that. And lo and behold, it turns out there's just a fascinating bunch of history around the turn of the 20th, 19th, 20th century. The decade of the 1890s is when the bike really rose, the bicycle rose to massive popularity in the United States and Canada and Europe. And it really coincided with this women's suffrage movement. And the bike, in many ways, was revolutionizing society because it was the first the first personal vehicle of its kind, right? This is before the automobile, and it gave people a newfound kind of freedom. And for women in particular at that time, it was that personal freedom and independence was quite revolutionary. And in fact, it had all kinds of other, it became a real symbol for the women's movement at that time partly just in a metaphoric kind of sense. People were like intoxicated with the freedom of the bicycle and what it meant, but it really became a a symbol of a new progressive woman, a woman who wanted freedom and who had independence. And it also started to change women's fashion because of course at that time, women, you know, the fashion of the day was corsets and floor length skirts and the whole bit, not the best riding apparel. And as the bike moved more and more into the mainstream culture and more and more women started riding, this is when women started to wear what were called at the time bloomers or like a divided skirt, the precursor to pants. So it was a real symbolic move toward equality and women having kind of the same right of freedom of movement as their male counterparts. So that's in a sense what I talk about when I say a feminist history of the bicycle. It's the interesting, like it's a history of the bike actually. The, the show explores the time in history where the bike rose to popularity and also how it was impacting women and what I discovered in my research were all these amazing characters, in particular the story of the first woman to ride around the world on a bike in 1895, who's quite an extraordinary character and has an amazing story. That sounds like a, whole, a lot of wonderful history and ideas and such that have not been brought to light much. Now, that's, you have a recording called Spin. I assume all a number of the songs from that production are on that recording? Yes. So how about, Evelyn, we share a song from Spin as part of your Song of the Soul. Is there one you'd like to choose? Yeah, why, well, why don't we play She Rides, which kind of combines... It, it's, it's a more contemporary song, actually, more, more my reflection on... I wrote it while I was riding my bike, thinking about many of the things brought up in my in the research. And it kind of references the research more toward the end, or the, the idea of the connection of the bike and democracy, and this is She Rides. Spin me like I have already spoken, like a spoke holds its tension. Like it's together that the spokes are the invention of a wheel, that a wheel is only as round as its tension, that a wheel is a round. 
gets on her bicycle, she gets on her bicycle, she gets on her bicycle, she rides. She gets on her bicycle, she gets on her bicycle, she gets on her bicycle, she rides. She rides. Bodies soaring through the city on two-wheel cycles through the traffic and the people. Steering clear of the car doors on the potholes and the streetcar tracks. Tuned in to my own personal soundtrack. I'm singing out loud as I pedal through the streets, spinning to the rhythm of 4.5 million heartbeats. And I tend to miss my turn-offs when I'm tuned into my turn-ons. I tend to write sentences that turn into run-ons. I tend to recycle. The same thoughts that cycle round The way I recycle the same stretches of ground On my two-wheel bicycle That gets me around She gets on her bicycle She gets on her bicycle She gets on her bicycle She rides She rides I get this feeling two-wheel steed as I pick up speed. It feeds something free, this desire for autonomy, moving outside the dominant economy. Two wheels, not four. No gas, no oil, no war for this machine. All I need is air. Two pedals, a crank and a chain, two wheels and a frame. A revolution that keeps me arriving again. She gets on her bicycle, she gets on her bicycle, she gets on her bicycle, she rides, she rides. And it's the back wheels attached to the chain, the back wheels attached to the chain, the back wheels attached to the chain, the past drives us forward again and again. In a democracy without a voter wheel would collapse if it wasn't for the spokes. She gets on her bicycle, she gets on her bicycle, she gets on her bicycle, she rides. She gets on her bicycle, she gets on her bicycle, she gets on her bicycle, she by today's Song of the Soul guest, Evelyn Perry. It's from her recording, Spin, and it's also a theatrical production. The song, She Rides, which, of course, you do, Evelyn. Is Toronto a good city to bike around in? 
In a lot of ways, it is. It's a, funny. It's a kind of complicated city to bike around in. There's a lot of politics around the bicycle in our city. But one thing that makes it great, I mean, there's a tons of people who ride the bikes here. Um, very active bike culture, and it's a very flat city for the most part. There's a couple big hills run north-south, but for the most part, you know, in my daily commute, it's a lot of pretty flat riding, which makes it easy for commuting, easy and accessible. But we're lacking a lot of bike infrastructure. It's getting better. We're making improvements in the last couple of years. But like a city like Minneapolis or, uh, well, even New York City, there's a lot of cities that are way ahead of us in terms of bike lanes, separated bike lanes and all that. So this show definitely was also has become, feels like I've done a lot of talking about the politics of cycling in North America as we've been touring the show around North America the last years. And those politics are very dear to my heart. They feel like very essential to what I value about urban community and environmental living and making policies that encourage, I mean, primarily that are around environmental sustainability, but that are also about other values about community building. And if people want to see the production of SPIN, how could they do that? Do they have to just wait once a year until you come by or do they come up to Toronto and see it every other month or how does it work? <laughs> uh, well, we're on tour quite a bit. So I guess the best way would be to check out my website to see when and where we're performing it next. It, it's played twice in Toronto, so it's unlikely it'll play there again very soon. I don't have plans right now for Toronto, but we're going to be in Philadelphia this January and we'll be in Ottawa in February. We'll be out west next summer. We've done a lot in Canada the last few years, and I'm hoping that there'll be more touring in the United States in the coming few years. So keep an eye on the website, which is evelynperry.com. And evelynperry.com, if you don't know how to spell that, come via nordenspiritradio.org, E-V-A-L-Y-N-P-A-R-R-Y. Again, nordenspiritradio.org is an easy way to find it. So we've heard She Rides. Give us some more of your music from your Song of the Soul. What do you want to share? The thing I was actually going to start with, but then we got on to spin, and of course I love to talk about bikes and spin, <laughs> but uh, the most recent recording that I've done is a long piece, and I know in this program we're just going to have a chance to have like a, a taste or two of, of the piece. It's a 20-minute song, 20-minute recording, and the piece is called To Live in the Age of Melting, Northwest Passage, and this piece is inspired by a folk song that's quite a well-known Canadian folk song. I'm not sure... If it's well, probably in some circles, it's quite well known in the United States too. For any fans of Stan Rogers, who is a Canadian songwriter who wrote a lot of classic, iconic, contemporary but traditional sounding folk songs. So he wrote a song called Northwest Passage, and this piece inspired my piece and inspired me to look. I guess originally I got inspired, sort of deconstruct some of the language in the song. The chorus speaks about the land so wide and savage. It talks about the colonial history of our north and our Arctic and a famous or perhaps infamous expedition called the Franklin Expedition that happened in the mid-19th century, which famously two large ships full of sailors got lost and were never heard from again, going to try to find the Northwest Passage, which of course is the, the route that would take sailors from Europe to Asia crossing over rather than under the continent of America. Anyway, as I do, I got really involved in the research for the piece. It started with a small idea and turned into a really big idea about the interconnectedness of current global warming and what's happening, how the Northwest Passage is actually opening for more months of the year, every year right now, every summer, 
the period of time that it's open is lengthening and the amount of ice that is melting is increasing. And so, and it's having all kinds of impact on all kinds of things, but one of which, of course, is like an interest in so our government and the United States as well, and in fact, every government of every country who have uh, land mass that touches the circumpolar north region. So it's quite a lot of countries who have a real vested interest in this area of the world for many reasons, but I would say one of the big ones is the potential for fossil fuel resource extraction becoming available as the ice is melting. So there's this big environmental conversation going on about what this all means and about a new shipping route being available up there. And of course, what comes to mind first for someone like me is like, and what happens when an oil spill like an Exxon Valdez or a Gulf, what, what happens when there's an oil spill on the ice and we don't know how to clean up we don't even know how to clean up oil up in that region in the Arctic conditions and the kind of environmental potential for a real disaster. But And there's also all kinds of issues just connected to our history, Canadian history, colonial history, and relationship with Indigenous people and the land. And then it all comes back. It's all tied in together in this chorus of this Dan Rogers song where he describes the land so wide and savage. And that was my point of departure was thinking, why is it that we still in the 21st century here can stand around singing about, like using this word savage, that was the thing that bothered me. I thought this word has been used to, you know, in a very detrimental way in our relationship with indigenous peoples in this country. And how is it that we're even describing our land in that way, using that word? And that was the point of departure for me. And it opened up a whole plethora of interconnected issues. So it's a really long piece because there was a lot of ideas within it and included, I've touched on a few and, you know, like you actually won't hear within the piece, all the stuff I just said about oil spills and stuff like that's not, that's kind of implied in the story that I weave. The story is more about the Franklin expedition and it's also about my own family history with folk music and what folk tradition means to me and what we pass along when we pass along songs, what messages we inadvertently pass on or what kind of histories we pass on or don't pass on. What is the story that's not told? What are the things that are still frozen, metaphorically frozen inside of our histories, the histories that don't get written or don't get passed on? very difficult to talk about that piece in any short form for me, so forgive me for my long-winded <laughs> answer to the question. Well, we're going to listen right now to two small excerpts from okay. To Live in the Age of Melting, Northwest Passage. You can hear the full recording out on evelynperry.bandcamp.com. Again, the link's on nordenspiritradio.org. Here it is, To Live in the Age of Melting, Northwest Passage by Evelyn Perry. I would take the Northwest Passage To find the hand of Franklin Reaching for the Beaufort Sea Tracing one warm line Through a land so wide and savage To make a Northwest passage to the sea There is a remarkable nerve that travels through the human body called the vagus nerve 
also known as the rambler or the wanderer. Vagus is the longest nerve in the central nervous system. It wanders from brainstem to colon, along the way innervating and connecting the outer ear, the throat, lungs, portions of the viscera, and on its journey back to the voice box, it circles the heart. discover mean to be pointed in the right direction by someone who will not be named someone who knows the frozen land like the back of their weathered hand someone about whom no song will be written look closer consider the lines roads and waterways spreading nervous system of the continent branching in a vast network a fine mesh filigree reaching every extremity, a sentient living system where nothing is alone. Everything is connected. Everything is felt. If not at the point of original contact, then still somewhere. his guitar and singing, familiar but private, wrapped in solitude, a practice that shouldn't be interrupted, the soul of an artist, forever yearning for something more, wanderlust, the wandering nerve, Vegas, the nerve of all those men, their courage and audacity, trying to find that elusive almost mythical passageway by water, object of so many frozen, failed expeditions, planting their names like flags, like hope, a trail of breadcrumbs over the frozen crust of the north, determined they would not be turned back but find the way through, willing to trade their lives and the lives of others for a dream.
recording is by Evelyn Perry. She is my guest today for Song of the Soul, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production on the web at northernspiritradio.org, where you'll find nine and a half years of our programs for free listening and download. You'll find further information and links to our guests. For instance, you'll find a link that'll get you to the Bandcamp recording to live in the age of melting Northwest Passage on Bandcamp, you can buy that whole thing for $5. It's an amazing recording. Also on that site, you'll find place to post comments, and you'll see other people's comments. And we love two-way communication. So please, when you visit northernspiritradio.org, post a comment. Also, there's a place where you can donate to Northern Spirit Radio. Your support is crucial, so click on support, donate to Northern Spirit Radio to keep us functional. But even more than that, and I'd say the thing to do first is to support your local community radio station. They provide for you a slice of news and music that you get nowhere else on the airwaves of North America. So please, Go to your local community radio station with your hands, with your wallet, and help make sure that that slice is provided to the public. Again, Evelyn Perry is our guest today, and she does amazing assemblage of theater and music and spoken word and thought. (laughs) And and I, I say that in part because to live in the age of melting is amazing thought. I have the feeling, Evelyn, that your mind is a very busy place. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's often working on a lot of things at the same time. And I find the question you always get asked as a songwriter, like, what comes first, the tune or the music or the words? Or how do you write, like, how do you approach songwriting? And anyway, the, the most consistent thing that I could say about what inspires songs for me or how they actually come together is always the convergence of one or like more than one idea. You know, it's never the song doesn't get born for me out of one idea. It's always how it interacts with another thing. And Age of Melting is maybe like 20 things (laughs) interacting together. And maybe the more I grow as an artist, the more interconnections I just perceive in the world. And that's what I'm interested in trying to articulate and make those connections more tangible. I think we have some pretty good ideas of threads of your life already. Uh, you mentioned a folk musician father. You mentioned your theater background. Biking is part of your life. Feminism is part of your life. You want to fill in some other threads? And I'm particularly interested here in some of your religious, spiritual, the overarching themes of your life type parts. Yeah, well, I was raised in a Quaker family, and that was my mom the Philadelphia Quaker for, or, you know, her family was from the Philadelphia yearly meeting. And so kind of came up with that piece of heritage, very strong on my mom's side. 
and my dad, British immigrant. I like to think that my brother and I are kind of quintessential Canadians in the sense we have one British parent and one American parent. And the traditions, spiritual and musical and cultural, kind of artistic folk traditions, very strong for both of my parents. Both had a real interest in traditional music. So that, I would say like community, both in a spiritual sense with the Quaker community, both in Toronto where we grew up and in the larger North American and even worldwide community, I guess. Quaker community has always been very influential and important. And also the in Toronto, like my parents were both involved in the folk community that was burgeoning in the 70s and the traditional dance community. They were both Morris dancers, sort of kind of traditional British folk dancing and sort of folklore in general, drawing on various different traditions, American the British Isles, Mummers plays. My dad was a theater artist himself, an academic and a director, and had a real interest in kind of um, his specialty was medieval theater. So I grew up seeing he. And interestingly, he wasn't really a he wasn't a religious person or wasn't affiliated with Quakerism or any organized religion. I think he was quite a spiritual person, but. His interest in medieval theater meant that even though from a quite a, almost a, well, an academic, if not secular, but an academic point of view, he produced all these plays that are basically the story of the New Testament performed on wagons from early, kind of the, they represent the history of theater in England and how theater evolved from the church wanting to reach more people with the message of the Bible but of course the services used to be in Latin and so taking taking the stories and turning them into theater outdoors was one of the first ways that the Western theater as we know it evolved. And so those plays were really part of my childhood growing up, seeing all of these biblical plays performed every other summer. There'd be a huge production in Toronto at the University of Toronto of cycle of plays. Anyway, there you know, my background as a kid was full of pretty esoteric, like not mainstream cultural food, a lot of it, just going to see a lot of live performance. And my mom was also very involved in children's folk music performance, storytelling. So there was a lot of community and also art and cultural input and I guess inspiration. I don't think I, I didn't think of it as inspiration as a kid per se, but I look back on it now and think how fortunate I was to be exposed to all of this stuff that obviously has impacted my, uh, well, just impacted me as an artist, as a person. It's an amazing assemblage of influences and sounds like a rich boiling cauldron even. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's keep the stew seasoning. Let's add some more music to it. What song do you want to share next? Well, I thought in keeping, I guess, with the discussion of family, maybe the next one I would share is called Records. And this one is not actually released yet. It's a recording. It's sort of, it's not really a finished recording, but it's something that I wanted to get down. So this song, my dad actually passed away about almost getting, it's getting close to 20 years ago, which is wild. I feel as an adult, you know, I've like, I've spent a lot of time, not just mourning him, but then trying to better understand his influence on my life, especially as an artist. So this song is about him and sort of exploring some images and ideas about how the songs he was interested in singing. And, you know, he, he, well, The Age of Melting explores this a little bit too, but, and I've spoken a bit about it, I guess, but his real interest, like sea shanties, he loved sea shanties. He wasn't a sailor, but he loved these songs of the sea and work on the ships. And he 
he loved songs that were about working people and mining disasters and uh, the industrial revolution and things that all like when I was a kid, I was a little bit baffled by why these stories captivated him so much and why he wanted to sing. He wasn't a songwriter so much himself, more of an interpreter of traditional songs. So I guess this song that I wrote is really just a bit of a, a reflection and a, a look at that of like, why was he inspired by the things he was inspired by and what do they mean to me now as they're what I'm left with of his part of what I'm left with of his legacy. And it is Records by Evelyn Perry. He sang about sailors, miners, and all the hard trades, about the failures, the fires, and all the ordinary lives lost Saved an ocean full of waves The ships on the ocean that sailed away I am small and standing far away From the stage, the tall Lights are bright, illuminate the hall where we sit and you say, sing, and then we all sing about sailors, miners, and all the hard trades, about the failures, the fires, and all the ordinary lives lost, saved, and ships on the ocean that sailed away On the shore you leave us far behind with nothing more than records that play through speakers that bring your voice back to me Speak to me I want the secrets that you hold Gave to 
is a recording by Evelyn Perry. It hasn't been released yet, but obviously a beautiful, wonderful song. Do you have a plan to release it anytime soon? Well, I hope so. I, you know, it, it's funny because I guess the way that my career flip-flops between theater work and music work, the last few years has been a lot more concentrated on theater stuff and on working on this Northwest Passage Age of Melting project. So... To be fair, I don't actually know when it will be released. I would like to release it soon. Or in this day and age, it's funny, you know, I like I would like to release another album. It's been actually quite a few years since the last album that I released was Spin. And I have a bunch of other songs since then, but I've been I've been sort of biding my time waiting for the right collection of stuff to release together. Or possibly I'll just release a bunch of single songs. I'm not really sure. It's a whole, you know, it's such a brand new world in terms of how one releases music now. And I'm still sort of old school, a fan of a record that has a reason for that collection of songs to be together. But on the other hand, we'll see what will happen. (laughs) That's the short answer. I don't really know. Don't really know yet. You can find a recording of that song on my SoundCloud. If you go try and dig around and find me, you can hear it for free, streaming. So people can check you out on bandcamp.com, evelynperry.bandcamp.com. They can find links from evelynperry.com, and Evelyn is E-V-A-L-Y-N-P-A-R-R-Y.com, or on SoundCloud, and I'll have links to all of those on northernspiritradio.org. Let's get a little bit more in. I know you have to be taken off soon, so how about another song to give us some more spice of Evelyn Perry? Mm-hmm. This next one, this is a more of a spoken word piece, although I, I don't know about making the distinction between what's song and what's spoken word, because my spoken word usually has musical elements to it, as this one does. It's called Heartbeat. It's another one that's not released yet. Did it in the same recording session as records. And I think it's a piece that speaks pretty much for itself. Again, we're kind of like connecting here just with family and like personal history. And I feel like some threads that really inspire a lot of my work, history would be a theme. And it's both history with maybe a capital H, like world history, feminist history, women's history, whatever, histories of peoples, countries, cultures, and then also biography and personal history. So this one is in that camp of personal history and kind of written from the perspective before we had ultrasounds that could tell you what the gender of your baby was. 
And when I was in utero, the doctor just would listen to, you know, they could just listen to your heartbeat. They couldn't tell what sex you were with any certainty beforehand. They thought I was a boy because of my heartbeat. Thought I was a boy because of my heartbeat. And being a boy is hard to beat. Being a boy is hard to beat. He said it was strong in his stethoscope, stronger than a girl beat. In his stethoscope, no images or ultrasound. In his stethoscope, making a prediction on the strength of a heartbeat. And being a boy is hard to beat. I thought she was hot. She was my professor, and I always fall for smart girls. The smarter, the better. I fell for her. She was my professor, and I confess that I professed my love for her. But her being older didn't mean that she was wiser. When I say it's inadvisable to date your advisor, I speak from experience. I speak from the heart, and isn't that the place where everything starts? Your heart beat. They thought I was a boy. Cause of my heartbeat, thought I was a boy. Cause of my heartbeat, my brother was a boy. Now he's a grown man. Maybe you've heard of his little rock band in Rolling Stone or on David Letterman. And who would you call if you were on fire? Who would you call if you were on fire? Call your sister, call your mother, call the spirit of your father, call the strength of another, the strength of a heartbeat, the strength of a new life that you have yet to meet. And being a boy is hard to beat. Newborn, we lay together in the sunlight of the hospital. She named me for her mother. She tells me that we lay there in the sunlight of the spring, and she cried for her mother on that first morning. Here we were, alive together. A new heartbeat grew inside another. Now a new heart beats outside of its mother. A new heartbeat like no other. And who would you call if you were on fire? Who would you call if you were on fire? They thought I was a boy because of my heartbeat. He thought I was a straight girl. Cause of my haircut, I told him, desire is not so clear cut. I am not a forest on the side of a mountain to be raised to the ground and made into a bookcase or shoved into a suitcase. You got a clear case of judging a book by its cover. All these advanced decisions make me skeptical. Identity, the razor's edge of a scalpel. Why do we assume certain colors are applicable? Paint our baby's room in advance. The umbilical connection of the self to the words that describe us, and yet the shifting mystery inside of us—that which we think of as solid—is diaphanous. I thought I might be queer in my seventeenth summer when my heart beat fear, a faster pitter patter, and you only feel afraid when something really matters. So I wrote her a letter. My heart beat faster. I wrote her a letter. A heart felt matter. I said, Who would you call 
said Who would you call if you were on fire? Who would you call if you were on fire? I said They thought I was a boy Because of my heartbeat Thought I was a boy Because of my heartbeat And being a boy is hard to beat I know being a boy is hard to beat But... that I'm feeling, I think that I'm falling, I know I'm not a boy, but I feel this longing, I think that I'm feeling, I think that I'm falling, I know I'm not a boy, but I feel this longing, in my heart, in my heart, in my And I wonder how you're feeling in your heart, in your heart, in my heart, beats in my heart, beats in your heart, beats in your heart, beats in my heart, beats in your heart. In my heart, beats in your heart, beats in my heart, in your heart, in my heart, in your heart, in my heart, in my heart. Heartbeat by Evelyn Perry. It also has not been released. Can we also find that out on SoundCloud? Yeah, that one's also on SoundCloud for your listening pleasure. So there's been five recordings. Things that should be warnings, unreasonable, live at Lula, small theatres. I guess you're in Canada. Oh, That's why you have to spell that. <laughs> <laughs> honey. <laughs> and then spin. Uh, honey is not its own recording. But small theatres is a recording that has that song on it. Well, I don't have all of them. I have at least one of them, but uh, because I have, I think, from the very beginning, and I was wondering whether you were going to include Gay Rover on this one. It's kind of your signature song, I think, at a certain point. I guess it was a signature song way back, or like definitely started out as a signature song, and I still stand behind it for sure, but I don't sing it as often. Well, a Gay Rover, Seldom Sober, is that still the case, huh? Oh, I don't know. It's not. It's, it was never autobiographical, but it's uh, <laughs> it's still. I mean, that song. I guess what made it signature. Perhaps what part of what made it a signature piece was that it really blended together something about my background, which is Celtic kind of traditional music, and my own queer identity and my sense of humor, and kind of combining, like taking the taking the traditional and giving it a contemporary twist. So I think that's what that song did with a, some cheeky attitude and fun within it. The cheeky attitude, humor, yeah, that that's Evelyn Perry that I've known for a couple decades or whatever it's been. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty awesome. So you can find that via her site. So we've got time for one more. What can we squeeze in here? Well, because you were asking me for Songs of the Soul, I guess that guided some of my selections. But the, the last one I was thinking we'd play is called The Stone and the Bumblebee, A Love Story. And 
this recording, it's a recording that I'm particularly proud of, partly because it won a big award after we released it in Ontario, a songwriting award. And it's a sort of a parable, I guess, a fable, if you will, that really is a metaphor, a thinly disguised metaphor for my own relationship and my own marriage. The piano player, who I, I'm not a piano player myself, so but you'll hear the piano accompaniment is by an amazing, multi-talented pianist here in Toronto called Marilyn Lerner. And it was, as a musician, I do I accompany myself a lot on guitar, and there was something very special about recording this piece with a pianist who made an arrangement that was more amazing than I could have imagined, sort of lifted the song into a different space, made me understand the song in a new way. It's really interesting when you've written something yourself, and then it, other people's contribution to it transform the song in a new way. It is an amazing fable and story, history of maybe the internal ways that relationships work. And it starts like a torch song, which is one of the things I think is especially delightful about it. <laughs> it's got a lot of wonderfulness to it. So we're going to conclude Evelyn Perry's Song of the Soul today with her recording, The Stone and the Bumblebee of Love Story. Evelyn, it's been great to finally get the time to connect with you. We've been trying to do this for years, but your rich life means that your cup is frequently flowing over. I'm just glad that <laughs> You were able to include a few drops of time here for Song of the Soul today. Thank you so much. So pleased to be with you. The Stone and the Bumblebee, a love story by Evelyn Perry. We'll see you next week for Song of the Soul. The stone and the bumblebee fight that night after dinner. Stone sits in her chair, bee flies through the air furiously. Stone says, I, bee says, why can't you be more like me? Stone says, you never let me finish my sentences. That night the stone and the bee are having their differences. They lie on their bed like princesses Bee says, Stone, why won't you speak? Stone says, Bee, why won't you sleep? Bee says, I feel a pee underneath all these mattresses And it's driving me crazy, my pebble, my stone It's driving me crazy says leave me alone I don't know what to say or how we should end this day B says look outside the moon is bright Stone and B are awake in the middle of the night B lies still wishing she could take flight She says stone oh stony stone Stone, my stone, am I alone? Stone says, I feel your wings beating inside my head. And it's driving me crazy, my bumble, my bee. It's driving me crazy, I wish you could see. Even after such a day, I don't wish your wings away I just wish you'd stay here with me 
But I'm here, my stone. I'm here, my stone. Stone, you so love the ground, but I love to fly around. We are as different as the day and the night. One thinking, maybe the other one's right. B says stone, stone says B. If I were you and you were me, then maybe we could give up this fight. Yes, says B. I think you're right. So kiss me, stone, and say good night. I'll be you. And stone is the place where be will alight. The theme music for Song of the Soul is by Chris Williamson, and it's called Song of the Soul. My name is Mark Helpsmeet, and this is a Northern Spirit Radio production. You can listen to this program again, track down the list of songs included, and a whole lot more on my website, Northern Spirit Radio. Org. And I invite you to share your Song of the Soul with my listeners. Just contact me via my website. And please, join me weekly for Song of the Soul. You can be happy, let in the light, it will heal you. And you can feel you and sing out a song.